Welcome to the eighth episode of the Squadron's Pirate Radio podcast. I'm your co-host, Michaela Sani, along with General Manager Scott King. And joining us today is accomplished sailor and racing mentor, Peter Wickwire. Peter, Thanks, welcome. Thanks, Michaela. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure, Peter. Um, I hope those out in radio land um, know a bit about your background, because um, if I read through all of your awards and accomplishments, we wouldn't have any time for a show. So I think we'll just keep it as red that you've done quite well in the racing circuit. Um, and we had Dennis Linton on the program last last week. I'm not sure if you heard that one. I did. Listen to I've, Dennis. I've listened to all of them. And, uh, you're, you know, just as an aside, I mentioned to Michaela before we recorded, these are really fantastic. And hopefully this is something that, uh, you know, well, this was started in response to what we're all going through right now, not being able to get together and congregate, this would be really great to keep going on an ongoing basis. It's such a fascinating thing to learn about other sailors and their backgrounds at the club. Yeah, we obviously agree with you. Um, Hopefully we can keep this this moving forward. So we're just looking at getting really interesting people on the show. Um, So obviously learn a lot about Dennis. We're looking forward to learning a bit about, about your good self today. Um, Just talk, talk us through your early days introduction to the sport. I'm really happy I listened to the other uh, the other podcast because you know there certainly seems to be a mix. There's definitely a number of a number of sailors who come by it through their family, and there's multi generational attachment to sailing in Nova Scotia and the squadron. And then you know there's other sailors like Dennis who came into it later, you know, from Calgary of all these places, and eventually sails across the ocean which I think is yeah. just so amazing. I can't even imagine that. So kudos to him for putting that together. And then, of course, you know, we're so lucky to have Paul Tingley at the club and you know, obviously a really unfortunate circumstance that brought him to competitive sailing. Uh, and just hearing these stories, you know, you get an idea of how different it can be, uh, what brings people to the sport. And and for me, like many of the members at the club, uh, you know, there wasn't a family connection to sailing. And like a lot of the members from the club, uh, at the club, um, certainly some of the younger members that I know, they came to sailing through uh, the Wagwalta. And uh, it was just, you know, something to try in the summer when I was was eight or nine years old when I started in white sail and uh, took to it right away, took to it right away. And, uh, you know, done all the other lessons and, and, um, you know, seemed to take to sailing uh, much more readily than the other things that were offered at the WAG at that time. And then I went through junior sailing when that was really the streamline for kids and, got into racing through that. And as soon as I could, which was, you know, the year I turned 16, I started getting my instructor levels. Um, and, you know, fast forward to 18, 19, I had my instructor evaluator level and I was teaching kids, many of them older than me, uh, at an instructor seminar held at the Royal Nova Scotia Yacht Squadron. So, always have sailed, learned to sail in the arm and been affiliated with uh, sailing in the arm. And um, that's how I came to it. So, Peter, obviously an early introduction to coaching um, in your teenage years. Is that something that sort of stuck with you through, through the years? Obviously off doing 
doing competition, but now sort of spending so much of your time coaching and mentoring. Was that an early insight into that pursuit? Sailing in the 80s was a lot different than it was now. I mean, all the top, I mean, I should have mentioned that, uh, you know, throughout that time, we were still actively racing. We were doing all the youth events, um, you know, sail east. I, I started out as a double-handed uh, skipper as, as you know, like a nine or 10-year-old, if you want to go back that far, did the 13 and unders. And then, uh, Scott, you and I, well, we have met, you might not recall, but I'm a pretty tall, big guy. So I got into the laser pretty early and, you know, did all those levels. But this was all concurrent with what we all used to do back in those days, which was, you know, scratch and claw and fight for coaching jobs and, and being able to teach white or bronze or silver at the squadron or the WAG or Bedford or Chester Yacht Club. And those were the those were the choice jobs back then. And then all the training we would do would be on the weekends uh, or after sailing. So, you know, I can remember putting my laser in the water a, a lot between three and four o'clock, four or five o'clock in the afternoon in the arm and uh, going to train on my own because I had this fantastic summer job of, of teaching kids sailing. And, it, you know, kids who are in the laser streamline right now or, or in dinghies, um, they don't seem to be doing that as much. So that's a little bit different from, from what's going on today. So Peter, you've, uh, you've been celebrated for your sailing wins many times. Uh, was there, you know, a particular point in your adolescence or in your sailing career that made you realize, you know, this is more than, than what I thought it, it was initially, like it's rolled into more than just a hobby? That's a, that's a great question. Um, I, I mean, right away as a kid, I, I loved being on the water. I always have loved being on the water. Um, and Michaela, interestingly, when you, you know, when you had sent the links to the pirate radio, it says an audio show that brings together thought leaders, athletes, experts, and enthusiasts. And I was like, what am I? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> where, do I, where do I fit in? And, and I think it really, um, you know, I think I've always been enthusiastic. So I'm about sailing. I've always been a sailing enthusiast. And, uh, you know, certainly from the first 13 and unders and, you know, then having success, uh, you know, there as I got older, closer to 13. And then, you know, having success in lasers uh, 16, 18 and under provincially and, you know, regionally and going to Cork, uh, that really, um, you know, that really lit the fire, but I had a problem. The problem was that about, at about 17, 17 years old, I was already, you know, almost six, five and, you know, probably about 200 pounds at that point, you know, 16, 17 years old, I went through the 185 pounds for laser. And I played, um, I always played a, a lot of sports as a kid. So I was playing football and some other contact sports. And, and for a number of years there, uh, I played varsity football at Queens and Kingston and started my career after university, um, in Toronto and spent 15 years there and initially was playing, playing rugby. I played football and rugby in university and, 
and uh, and got reintroduced to competitive sailing after, you know, even throughout university and I worked out west tree planting, I'd always try to make it back to Nova Scotia uh, in the summers for Chester Race Week. So I've been doing Chester Race Week since the 80s. Um, and it was really, you know, the first the first opportunity to sail in what was a massive one design fleet, which was the J24 fleet in Ontario in the mid nineties. Uh, that's what lit the fire again, if you will. And that's the momentum I've been working with since. And it's been about 25 years of doing a lot of sailing. And which one of those, uh, I guess, the, just going down the list here of some of the um, some of the races that you've been involved with. I mean, what's your favourite one? If there's one that stands out that you really just remember with uh, with a great amount of pride and fondness. The 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 the, the regatta that made me feel like okay, this is something that I really want to devote a lot of time to, um, and it had happened previous to this, prior to this, but. It was about 20 years ago, the J24 Worlds was being hosted in Kingston. And, uh, you know, the you know, Brad Reed was there, Tim Healy was there, Andy Horton was there, Jeff Moore was there, a bunch of Canadian, you know, Rossi Malav, who's the only Canadian to win the J24 uh, World Championship, was sailing with Mike Wolfs at the time, who two years later went on to win what, you know, unfortunately, was Canada's last Olympic medal, 2004, um, in the Star in Athens with Ross McDonald. It was a stacked fleet, and the very first race, uh, which you know, for the sailors out there who've sailed in Kingston, it was classic. You know, July, July southwest, uh, 18 to 22 knots, so top of the Genoa, left, 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 outside of Simcoe Island, and we rounded the first mark of that Canadian J24 Worlds and first. And we were a completely amateur crew. Um, the skipper was Todd Irving, who, uh, it's time for a sailing story, right? Uh, Todd Irving, who was the most recent past chair of Sail Canada. He was helming. And uh, Jeff Hall, who grew up sailing in Nova Scotia with me, uh, was on the bow. And so we had two Nova Scotians on that boat and we rounded the world with all the previous world champions and aspiring world champions chomping at the bit. And that was a pretty good feeling. And we managed to have a pretty good day that day. And we certainly weren't the favorite Canadian crew. Uh, but I remember at the end of the day, people were asking, okay, who's that? And ironically, uh, the boat was 3913, which was, uh, believe John Roy's J24 cool in the cube. So that, that boat actually had uh, a link to the Royal Nova Scotia Yacht Squadron, which is an interesting for people who can remember uh, back then uh, that boat we had a great first day. And at the end of the day, uh, some of the conversation was like, well, who was that Canadian boat? And it was, Oh, well they have two Nova Scotians on board. And it was like, oh yeah, they, well they can handle the breeze. So I've listened to some people. I've listened to some people talk about the reputation of Nova Scotians, but I mean that is having traveled quite a bit for sailing. It it is pretty interesting that uh, you know when people find out that there's Nova Scotians on board, they're like, oh yeah, okay, well that makes that makes sense. And uh, yeah, that was a that was a great event as an adult as an adult, 
that uh, you know made me want to feel more of that. Uh, and you know, over the past twenty years since then, certainly improved uh, in consistency in the approach and the results have come. But that was probably the first big event surrounded by top amateur and professional sailors where. Uh, I was like, wow, that was a pretty good result. And we had good results throughout that week and we're pretty close to finishing, I think, a top seven or eight in that. But then like happens to an experienced cruise, our final two results were an OCS and a 40% penalty, which <laughs> threw us down the, threw us down the, uh, the results. But that was, that definitely, uh, you know, racing in a fleet of 70 boats with, 375 sailors behind you that's a pretty exhilarating feeling so that's something i've been searching out for the last 20 years chasing a feeling is uh is often one of those things that you're constantly doing you know when when it really makes a difference in your in your mind you know you can really find yourself chasing that same feeling over and over again absolutely and and it also you know a lot of sailing is having the confidence um and you know, I was trimming that boat upwind and downwind and it was pretty, pretty heavy conditions. And, uh, you know, we were competitive in in the local fleet, uh, but we really, you know, we had, we had some serious wheels and you're right that that feeling of being competitive uh, certainly helped us, but like, you know, like most sailors struggle with uh, until you go through the process of making countless mistakes it's hard to gather. It's hard to put together, uh, you know, a really strong regatta across eight to twelve races um, with with caliber that high. So, you know, for instance, um, what what Evan Petley Jones and Ben Maloney have been able to do in the G twenty four over the last two worlds uh, has been incredibly impressive. You know, a fifth and a sixth. And, um, you know, I suspect if, if they were to stick to it, and I don't know if they will, um, they will eventually win a Worlds. And interestingly, just as a side, uh, Rossi Malev, who is, you know, it's not arguable, he's Canada's best J24 sailor ever, he's a professional sailor, Boatwright, um, you know, it took him probably 15 to almost 20 years of trying before he won the Worlds in Port Credit three years ago. So. You have to start somewhere and uh, the golf analogy is, you know, you hear golfers talk about you hit that one good shot in a round and that's what keeps you coming yeah. back. Sailing's exactly, exactly like that. And for me it is. Um, and, uh, you know, you just trust in the process. And if you, if you follow the process, uh, the results should take care of themselves in the long run. But it's, a, it's been a lot of sailing. <laughs> in the last the last 20 years to get to the point where you know you can put together regatta wins across long series or be competitive in match racing or or enjoy any of the success that that you know i've enjoyed with all these great people i've sailed with over the last 10 to 15 years so you're absolutely right you know you do have to start somewhere and uh you've been using your own success as a platform for sailors to cross over that threshold into competitive racing uh specifically match racing so can you tell us a little bit about the program you developed uh, here at the squadron and with squadron sailors? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to. It's, it's been a great, it's been a great process. It's been a, 
a really, really interesting opportunity to try to grab hold of it. And the, the way that started was um, Commodore Steve's, Ed, Ed received the invitation as, as Commodore at that point, was it was three or four years ago at this point to attend the Sawanica Cup, which is a, a yacht club challenge. And uh, he reached out to me because I, you know, Ed knew that I had a match racing background and um, asked if I'd be interested in representing the club. And, and then we transitioned Commodores to Commodore Stanfield and then David took the reins. And, uh, you know, one of the, one of the criteria of uh, competing in the Sawanica Cup, which is, I think it's right up there with the America's Cup is one of the, the longest standing trophies in sailing. And the Sawanica Cup, I believe, is the oldest trophy in sailing in North America. Uh, and it's, it's a yacht club to yacht club challenge. So we, I mean, certainly people, there are people at the squadron who have done a lot of match racing. Um, I won, uh, we won the Canadian championships together and went to a nation's cup with, uh, myself and Matthew Christie and, um, who's, you know, who's a Bedford guy growing up and is a squadron member now and is a big part of all the success that deviation has enjoyed over the years offshore, uh, but also, a, a, you know, a really strong one design inshore racer and decided that it was an idea to maybe start with younger crew members. And so we took a group of, uh, you know, younger uh, squadron members and basically introduced them to match racing in advance of our first Salonica Cup, which I think was three years ago now, uh, and, you know, went down to the venue in Long Island that was going to be hosting it and took these, uh, you know, younger members through a number of seminars and world sailing graded events in advance. And, you know, basically it, it was, it was hard because match racing is not like riding a bike. Uh, you've got to keep with it and timing is really important and timing something you lose when you're out of the boat and you're not match racing a lot. So we had to try to get that going again and then getting these, these sailors, these younger squadron sailors able to boat handle these 40 foot, you know, significantly undermanned massive Swedish match forties, uh, and, and try to match race, you know, some really, really strong competitors from around, North America. So it was the invitation that the squadron received and answering that invitation, but trying to do it right rather than just showing up with no match racing experience. That was the genesis of, of all of this. Yeah. Fascinating experience for you, um, for you there, Peter, getting a, a bit of an a, a ensemble of younger members together. Um, I mean, obviously tell us a little bit about, you know, what this teaching of the next generation means to you personally. Well, I mean, it's firstly, there's probably, I mean, I, I'm really excited when the, the younger guys and the younger women that I sail with get stoked about sailing. Um, and, you know, I, I just hope that all of them, I mean, it takes some, you know, it takes some prioritization to 
you know, devote the time that's required to do this stuff. And, you know, involving these younger sailors, you know, while it's out of necessity, it's, it's also completely, completely self-serving because, you know, by going through this process, um, you know, the, the, the crews that I race on the IOD with and the J24 and match race with, you know, these young men and women, they, they've all, you know, this, none of this racing happens, uh, solo. I don't do any single handed racing. I haven't, I, I don't think I've done a single handed race since I was 17 or 18 and stepped out of the laser. So all this success has been, you know, predicated on, uh, or any success we've enjoyed, um, is based on, on teamwork. And that is really satisfying. And I would like to think if pressed, uh, the men and women I've sailed with, uh, they've enjoyed it too. I mean, they, they, and, and introducing them to a network of sailors internationally, uh, has been, you know, it's been really, really fun to meet sailors from all around the world. And, you know, with respect to the match racing, you know, being able to take a squadron team, uh, you know, down to the States and race against teams that are from New Zealand, Australia, France, Switzerland, England, the, you know, the best men and women in the United States. Uh, we race the best female team in the world from, from Sweden. This is all, you know, these are all great experiences and, uh, you know, hopefully the, the people that I'm racing with are as keen as I am to keep going at this because an object in motion, I think it should stay in motion. And, uh, you know, we've done some good work over the last three or four years. And that, that pause that I had between 2011 and, you know, getting back into it pretty seriously in 2017, it's, it's, it's hard to get the momentum back. So, We'd like to see uh, these younger members continue with match racing. It's a good fit for uh, where we live, simply because it's a lot harder to tow and get boats, one design boats, down to the various venues in the Eastern Seaboard and Great Lakes, uh, you know, America and Canada. Um, than it is, I mean, it's harder to do that than just to drive without a boat and show up and, and sail and provided equipment that's sailed in rotation, which, you know, for, for younger, for younger racers, uh, that's that, I hope that's appealing because you don't necessarily have to participate directly in the arms race, which one design sailing can, can often be. Right. And I'm talking about the equipment side of, right. of the equation. Now, obviously, you mentioned before, you know, that um, that need to fail or the need to make mistakes um, in order to improve and get better. I mean, that's that's a process I think you mentioned before you need to really commit to um, in order to get better over a long period of time. Is that something that an impatient is difficult to to teach in an impatient person in their 20s or is it something that they kind of get? <laughs> they're they're all way better than I am when I was at their age, you know, in terms of their mental game. 
uh, it's, it's something to be firmly in your 40s and have someone who's, you know, barely 20 uh, to look back in the boat and sort of give you that stare that, you know, you're not helping <laughs> the boat. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's fantastic. You know, that's, that's exactly, I mean, there's no, there's no question, um, you know, moving home to Nova Scotia and, you know, being forced to start my own crew. And, you know, I just want to, you know, people know who I sail with. I sail with Dan McMillan. I sail with Hillary Grantmeyer. I sail with Emily Mary, who, um, you know, is, is now living and working in Ontario. Um, but was, was here for Dalhousie and we were sailing with her pretty much, I think from her first or second year of engineering and, uh, you know, Devin Dubay sails with us as well. Uh, you know, these are all squadron members who are, you know, still under 30 and we've been sailing together for a long time now. Um, and again, that was out of necessity, but you take a bunch of really strong dinghy sailors, um, who maybe, you know, regardless of what anyone says, you know, maybe they weren't going to the Olympics in dinghies. I don't know. I mean, Devin certainly had some pretty serious success in the 29er. I think it was either the youths or the Canada games. He, he, he won. Um, but to try to like keep them involved in sailing, that's part of the, that's part of what makes it exciting for me. And, you know, hopefully as they get older and have more responsibilities at work and with family, uh, they'll all be as lucky as I am to have a understanding spouse who gets that, you know, my, my participation in all of this is part of what keeps me, you know, happy and, and mentally level. Uh, I enjoy it so much that I couldn't imagine what my life would be like without it. Um, and for those who don't know, my wife, Tara, just recently uh, was asked to join the squadron board, which I think is a is a great thing because here's, you know, someone who is a recreational sailor, but certainly, uh, you know, hasn't done all the sailing with me over the past 20 years. There was a lot more sailing before we were engaged. <laughs> Michaela, I got to let you know. There was a lot more that. sailing. But yeah, but Tara's, Tara's obviously a good fit for the board because of her professional background. And also, I mean, she better than anyone knows what it's like to be married to someone who is completely irreparably addicted <laughs> to sailing. <laughs> that, that could be a good thing or a bad thing, but I mean, people, yeah, people who, you know, if, if anything, you know, if anything I look back over the last you know, since I finished university and made that choice in my you know early mid twenties to devote myself back to sailing, um, you know, if anything, if I've accomplished anything over the last sort of twenty five years, it's just a really, really significant volume of sailing. And through making a lot of mistakes, you know, we talk about mistakes, Scott, making all those mistakes, and uh, you know, if you're competitive and you want to improve, you're going to learn from those mistakes. So all of, you know, any success that I've enjoyed with the great sailors I've sailed with, it's, it's all because of all the mistakes I've made and we've made to put us in a position, you know, if we, 
if we're in a match race or, you know, I mentioned to Michaela before this <laughs> interview started that I'm supposed to be down in Bermuda right now uh, doing Bermuda International Invitational Race Week with, um, you know, with Hillary and Emily and uh, Chris Vino and Ben Maloney, who was going to be standing in for, for Dan. Uh, and, you know, that that didn't happen, obviously, because I'm here stuck at home in Halifax. Uh, but, you know, hopefully we would have been in a situation right now where we were hopefully going for our maybe sixth title there. And, you know, it would be because we were consistent over the week and didn't take too many risks and uh, sailed a smart regatta to hopefully in the last couple of days be in touch and then, you know, then sort of pick on the competition or address the, the competition that's around you in the, in, you know, on the scoreboard. And, and, you know, 20 years ago, I would not have been capable to do that. I think, you know, I knew how to make boats go fast, pretty good trimmer. I mean, I trimmed for a long time before I helmed, which I think is really important. Um, you, you know, I think if you only ever just drive the boat, you're going to have, uh, you know, listen, there's so many people out there that are fantastic helmsmen and helmswomen, and that's all they did. So I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anything ill of that, but it certainly helped me to trim for a long time in a competitive fleet before I finally, you know, created the opportunity for myself and got a boat because I wasn't going to get the opportunity to helm unless I did it myself. But all that sailing and all that making mistakes makes you uh, more comfortable or maybe not even more comfortable. It's just the right decision is a little bit more readily available when you've made the wrong decision a thousand times. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, what and what you're doing, obviously, Peter, is you're developing pathways for people to stay engaged in the sport and to learn new skills and to, to you know, help facilitate that passion to, to, to stay with them once they come out of, you know, the younger years and, and so you keep them close to the club and keep them close to the sport. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about that being central to the future for the sport in this province, but also our club. Um, so, you know, these, these active pathways of talent through not just because I've been talking about, you know, pumping the front end in with getting kids in, in boats, um, five, six, seven years old, get them started. And then obviously, you know, the learn to sail and race team can do their thing through the teens, but then we definitely need, you know, active pathways for people to stay engaged with the sport, you know, in their earlier years in life, when, when people are still working out, you know, where they're going and what they're doing. Whatever we can do as a club to keep it fun and keep, keep people engaged and whether it's cruising, dinghies, keelboats, offshore racing, uh, whatever it is that we can do to keep kids engaged is what we should be doing. You'll see that really that's why the club exists, right? The club exists for you know, people to become, at, for members to become proficient at sailing and seamanship and, you know, even construction of boats, which doesn't really happen much anymore. So with that in mind, you know, if I can take Dan, Hillary, Emily and Devin and keep them involved in sailing and sailing at a high level, and, you know, outside of the things that should take priority in their lives, like mm. family and their careers, 
But outside of that, they prioritize the remaining time they have and they, they make time with the remaining time that they have to, you know, to try to improve as competitive sailors. That's, you know, I think that's a, a win. For, that's obviously a win for us as a team because uh, we enjoy each other's company. Uh, but it's also a win for the club and for sailing because, you know, all of these people are members of the club. You, you hear Aaron mention it. You hear India mention it. You hear Paul mention it. And it's that fun word. You know, how do we keep sailing fun? And it's not just the on the water. It's the, it's the off the water, right? It's fun to be a, a member of the club. It's fun to have all those like-minded friends and I don't know if you guys have been hearing, but we've been having some pretty fun <laughs> no, I have, Saturday nights. I have, I have heard. Yeah. <laughs> organized by, organized. <laughs> none of that can be on this po podcast. <laughs> but I mean, it, isn't it funny that, uh, isn't it great though, that, um, you know, our relationships that are based around sailing are what we're falling back on during this difficult time when we're all like starved to listen, we just want to be around sailors and talk about sailing when we can't sail. Again, Peter, thank you for your time. It's been great to have you on the show. Um, look forward to seeing you in the not this uh, craziness is finished. Yeah, we hope that we can all get together soon. Scott, Michaela, thank you so much. Before we wrap up this week's episode, we wanted to fill you in on what the match racing team is doing during this downtime as a result of COVID-19. So please stay tuned. So Peter, um, how has the current events, you know, changed the schedule for, for you and your crew? And, and are you doing any off water, um, you know, strategizing and staying connected? That's a great question. And our, our season, you know, we, we were pretty sure that all of the activity we had scheduled was going to be canceled. And just quickly, one of the goals this year was the U.S. Match Racing Championships uh, to be held in Rochester this fall. Uh, we were signed up for three qualifiers, uh, one in Sarasota that didn't happen in March, one at Oak Cliff that didn't happen in April, which was then postponed to uh, next month, which has, of course, been canceled, and uh, one in Marblehead at Boston Yacht Club in July. So the whole series has been canceled, um, we can still apply via invitation. U.S. Sailing still hopes to, ho to host their adult championships and youth championships in the fall. They're keeping that door open, but all the qualifier series uh, for everything have been canceled, understandably. So what we're doing in the meantime and in response to this is the U.S. Match Racing Committee, uh, through a donation, um, the, from a match racing friend of mine who unfortunately passed away a number of years ago. His family made a donation to U.S. Sailing to hire Dave Perry, who most people will know due to his books uh, about sailboat racing. He's hosting, what, he's hosting two levels of online seminars over the next six weeks. It might be nine weeks, actually. One would be an introduction to match racing for people who haven't really done much match, match racing or any higher world sailing graded events. And then there's about seven of us from the squadron out of, I think, 90 or 100 people who have been invited to what he calls the master class, which is for anyone, and if anyone understands world sailing grading, anyone who's done a grade three or higher 
which would be grade three, grade two, grade one, or a world match racing event. Um, so we've got, we have a number of those members uh, through their involvement with what we've been doing who, who fit that. And for the next, you know, a couple of months, we're going to be doing an hour and a half with Dave Perry online every week on Wednesday night. And so this will be late enough that we can finish our uh, virtual regatta uh, Wednesday night squadron racing beforehand. So yeah, we're doing what we can in absence of being on the water, but our, our grand goal of all these events and preparation and trying to come into the U S match racing championships this fall with all that experience have just been Aww. completely canceled as of yesterday. That's it for our show today. Next week, we sit down with our own Augustin Ferrario, the club's head race coach and sailing athlete in his own right. Augustin shares the inside scoop into how he started his sailing journey from the waters of Argentina to us here on the Northwest Arm. Thanks for listening.